everybody, what's up? Welcome to the Commit First podcast. What does it take to create an amazing online business? Check this out. If you're looking to think big, really think bigger, if you're aspiring to create a very successful business and to build a prosperous business as you go along and build legacy, this story and the value and the wisdom that's going to be in an interview that's coming up is definitely for you. Stay tuned. Let's begin. Everybody, what's up today? I have Dean Kelly on the show. Dean is a serial entrepreneur investor, built and scaled multiple seven to eight to nine figure companies, POC, like sold multiple companies. This guy is an amazing entrepreneur, amazing. Like he gave so much value on the show. And also he has an amazing story. So you're going to really enjoy this episode, especially if you want to think bigger, uh, like I told you before. So let's just jump in. Everybody, let's begin. Hey, everybody, what's up? And welcome to the Commit First podcast. Today, we have Dean Kelly on the show. Dean, what's up, man? All good. All good. I've been looking forward to this. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm going to listen to what you've got to ask, and hopefully, I'm going to give you some value back. Dude, man. Um, yeah, and we've just been talking. So, everybody, everybody, imagine this a 21 year old kid coming from a very poor neighborhood in London, uh, the UK, and just, you know, having nothing but friends who are around him going to prison and are totally broke, coming from nothing, um, no wealth in the family, just, you know, not being raised on financial education properly, and just with some dreams. At 21 years old, writing a list of 10 things that you know, that 21-year kid wants to achieve. Dean, you achieved all those 10 things by nine of them by the age of 30 and one other by the age of 40, like before the age of 40. Um, dude, can you tell us about those things? Amazing. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you some of them. Some of them, some of them are quite personal in terms of when I would get married and whatever. Yeah, I was, at, I was at a dark place. My friends were going to prison. Um, I didn't want to fulfill the stereotype. I didn't. I didn't ever feel that I was. I was. I was destined for that journey. And I. And I. I didn't. You know. I never had a mentor. I didn't. I didn't read business books. I didn't have any of that education. Yeah. And people say to me, "How did you know to write down ten things that you wanted to do and then visualize them?" Well, it just felt natural. And I think sometimes, you know, we read about stuff in books that's already, you know, already happening. We're already doing it. And I, so yeah. I put these. Some of those, as I was just saying to you, were big, hairy, audacious goals that you never, ever think you're going to hit, especially, especially when you look at your baseline at that time. And one of those, multimillionaire by the time I was 30. How? Had no idea. And the one I achieved by the time I was 40 um, was having the Prime Minister of, of the UK invite me to number 10. And as, as I said to you, it's a bit like the President of the United States saying, whoever's the President by the time I'm 30, they invite me to the White House. And, yeah. and it happened when I was 40. I was invited by David Cameron. And wow. yeah, so I, I, wow. I went and met the Prime Minister, which was from where I was from was, was just uh, in a whole different world. It's crazy, man. It's, um, I think like another, a lot of my audience knows my story, you know, coming from like being in a situation where I was in debt and not making it like not being successful in, in launching my business. And really, I fell short of everything with the time of my family, with like my money, my finances, like, 
and and it was very like such a low spot and then like riding that vision when I flew in uh my first coach Calvin Wayman and he, he came from the U.S. and he sat down with me I was like dude write down your goals and it comes back again and again um like you said you you said before the call you didn't look at the list you looked at it for like a month you wrote down those goals didn't you kind of like looked at it for a month and then that's it like it was kind of like gone and um one of the things that popped up for you when you're invited when you're invited you know by the prime minister you kind of like looked at that list again and you're like oh like <laughs> the missing piece right um so i think not a lot of people understand the law of attraction and the spiritual part that it has to do like with mm-hmm. there's some stuff beyond us that we can't really grasp but there it goes down to the tangible things of writing down goals right yeah absolutely i, th- I think you, to, to visualize something you have to put it down and i'm a big fan i write when i'm on the phone to somebody or i'm just sitting there i write down ideas i, I put them into my I like to write and although I put them into my phone and I put them into I've, I've got so many reminders but by the time I've I've put all of these things in place yeah. the, the memory's there I don't really need them um you know I get up early every morning but I'm always up five to ten minutes before my alarm clock goes off mm-hmm. my body will recognize that I need to be doing something and I, and I think for all entrepreneurs there is the laws of attraction and um you know we we, we all feel that there are forces out there but I, I'm also a believer that You make your own luck and that's just preparation you're thinking you're visualizing you're understanding what it would feel like to be in that position an opportunity passes you by every single day and you just don't know it but if you've done the preparation and then that opportunity arises as, as you've probably seen in your your life you just take it with both hands and you run with it because suddenly you have the passion that actually this is what i've been looking for and this is how i'm, how I'm going to deal with it and that, that really can't happen as as clear unless you visualize it Yeah, man. I mean, that's, that's such an amazing thing. And, and, you know, kind of like I, I came into this interview, I didn't know your story coming up. Um, maybe I haven't done enough homework, you know, but it's like, it's definitely like this story that you just said, and you writing down your vision and, and having that achieved is something that comes back with every kind of almost any successful person I, I interview. And coming from you, you've built like multiple seven figures, sometimes eight figures, right? Uh, uh, companies. And uh, to, nine so, figures. I ran a nine-figure PLC. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So nine-figure PLC. Um, <laughs> so so let's let's jump into that now uh, for a second because first of all, everybody, just to reflect back, if you're an entrepreneur right now and you want to fast track your success, you really have to have a vision. Like that's the one thing that nobody told me when I started out. I think Dean, you were like very lucky from having that intuition to do that to make that list. Like this is something that. Guys, like I never, like if I would written down my vision when I, when I left my day job in the corporate world, I probably would have been way more successful. I, I wouldn't have to get into debt and I would probably crush it with everything I've, I've been doing, but I haven't, you know, I just let things flow. I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to find ways to monetize, like look for the next strategy and just apply it right away. And like, just go, when you go with the flow, you go nowhere. When you know where you're going, when you're visualizing, that's when magic starts to happen you start manifesting like the big things in your life so um let's talk about the big things Dean like what do you have going on right now lay it out for lay it, lay it out for so um my a lot of my businesses in the last sort of 15 or so years have worked in the education sector 
My predominant background is in recruitment, so human capital. Um, I am the co-founder of the largest network of recruitment CEOs in Europe and started that about six years ago. So I do a lot of advisory for a lot of businesses and they can, you know, one of the businesses is a FTSE 250, 1.2 billion turnover business. And some of those are one person, two person businesses. So a real range. Um, We've got about three three billion of turnover within within that group. I'm an investor in a few businesses, one of which uh, Sourcebreaker, which is a... um, piece of recruitment technology is doing phenomenally well at the moment and actually it's just starting to do phenomenally well in the states as well um we've been great i invested in i suppose i invested in the the ceo when i met him i was one of the original investors and all he had was a spreadsheet and a vision and i bought into that vision so vision isn't just sometimes for you it's for you to articulate to other people because they're buying what you right. believe, right? You know, right. and if you really believe it, you, you know how it works, right? Yeah. Buying is 80% emotion, 20% logic. Yeah. And you sell to the heart and the wallet will follow. And that's what we do. You know, we kind of, kind of you know, when we're dealing with the, the investment side, yes, it's got to have, the numbers are got to add up. Right. But, but, you know, when we start a business, it's finger in the sky. You never know. There's, you know, you're, for every success, there's, a, there's a, got to be 10,000 right. failures, right? Right, 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 right. So, and then um, the, the, other, the other, which is a passion project, but it's cost me a lot of money, um, is I set up a platform for schools in the UK, which we're going we're gonna to take overseas. And it manages all of their, their teacher recruitment. It's got AI in there in terms of it matches profiles. Easy wow. way to explain this. You and I go to university together, get the same qualification, um, go into teaching. We're both going to teach maths. And you want to make sure every child gets a world-class outcome in their learning. Right. I, I just want children who are really highly intelligent and reciprocal of my information and my knowledge. If I end up in an area of deprivation, a school in an area of deprivation, and you end up at the top independent school in a country, we're the same person on paper, but we'll hate where we're working. And therefore you never work at the top of your range. And, and it's all about environment mapping. So we use a lot of AI for that. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we have a technology that then where we make the savings, we push that money back into schools and that money is used to aid social mobility in schools of areas deprivation. And we have measures for that. So we have a social impact. So that's, that's something I've bootstrapped. Right. It's cost me a lot of money, but it's, it's my passion project as well. And it's something that I, you know, I work on every day, but yeah, other than that, I, I mentor some CEOs and, and advise some boards. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. That's your way of giving back, you know, like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and, and that's another thing I think just to mention, like, like all successful people give back in some way. And um, you say passion project investments that you put into it, but yeah, it's like those, like that's your energy and and you know, investments going towards something that you know will do good. So um, I think you know, making yourself poorer doesn't make the the world richer. Um, and you, you, as an entrepreneur, you kind of do things sometimes out of necessity, or you see a problem and you're an innovator, or somebody wants to create a solution, or you've seen something that could be done better. Mm-hmm. So entrepreneurs by nature are always evolving, they're always trying to do things. And I think you, you know, if you've got the opportunity to create wealth uh, for yourself and for other people, there's you know, there's not many businesses that you just do it for yourself. And you know, you 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 you're a wealth generator because you give jobs and that has to trickle down effect in an economy as well then if you have the opportunity to give back and, and it doesn't doesn't mean that you need to give back and lose money you can give back and 
you know, make sure that anything excess, total profits, whatever it might be, however you want to skin that cat, goes back into, into good causes. But you, you, you can still be a conscientious capitalist who makes money and has a conscience about what's happening either in the environment or within society. Whatever you want to do, you can have an impact. And so why wouldn't you? Because if you're, if you're, if you're the, the, the one percenters that are going to make a difference, then make a difference. Don't ever look back in life and say, do you know what would have been really nice if I had or I could have? I think that's what grates you because you can have as much money as you like but when you when you're when you're old and you're sat there and you can't you know generally people get so much money by the age they can't enjoy it, mm-hmm. and you, you're sitting there thinking, well, what have I got? I've got memories, I've got my network, my families. Where is my, my satisfaction? Money money doesn't give you satisfaction; it gives you right. options. Right. And if you make those options good options of giving back and doing good things, that that returns far more to you um, than than any boat or car could ever. No, I love that, man. I mean, um, I'm, I think when you get more money, that's something that I, I learned before I had money. Like, that's something I learned before I was profitable. It's like, when you're going to make money, mm-hmm. it's just boosting the very you are as a person. So you might as well become that nice person before, like, not nice, but like, you might as well think about what you're going to do with your money before you get money. Like, um, and, and how are you going to put it out for good and for contribution in the world? Because you're not just here for yourself you're here for like a bigger purpose than that and um and that's kind of like it's it was i was thinking about it because before that i never kind of donated like most of my life never donated i never saved up like i wouldn't you know i would not be that person i would you know coming out of scarcity coming out of like never really financially managing my shit (laughs) just uh so in the past couple years i started giving and and you know donating just bit by bit until i'm now like um now i'm donating on on a monthly basis even like in week months, I, I don't care. I'm going to, I'm going to donate. Um, and I think even I'm, I'm not donating enough. I need to donate even more, but like it's may, more than I ever, you know, donated in my life. And um, I think now also like people should think how they give back to society. And that's very important and how you grow as an entrepreneur into your legacy, into what you leave. Like you said, like when you're old enough and you're sitting on the, the deathbed and you think about what, what did I create in my life? Um, especially when I was capable. And that's very important. Um, but I, I want to take you back to kind of um, a bit of like running a business, what it takes to be a CEO. A lot of people listening to the show are um, solopreneurs or creative mm-hmm. entrepreneurs with a very small team, M- me included. Like I don't have a big team. I have um, in my agency, we have five designers currently. Um, I have a full-time video editor. I have a content writer. I have a personal assistant, um, executive assistant. I have um, a couple more people kind of like, you know, just, you know, um, consultants and stuff around me. Um, But um, I wonder what it takes in terms of like, how do you grow a business into the seven figures, eight figures? What does it take? What is the knowledge that I don't know? I don't know. Like in order for me to become that CEO, um, that that is building this business like to really top-notch level and obviously at the end taking myself putting myself out of it like because every good business like you build you put the processes in place and you you obviously want to get out somehow like you want to onto the next thing um or is it the wrong way of viewing things i'll I'll let you talk it's i think everybody sets the business plan and says in five years i'll be doing this or in 10 years i will sell and actually 
I've written hundreds and hundreds of business plans. I've sat with my CFOs. We we put together, especially when we were a listed business and you're putting numbers out to the market, and they're wrong the moment you put them together because you're never going to be you're never going to be accurate. Just giving you that kind of line of sight that you think, okay, I'm 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 above or I'm below the line, and you need to look at things and correct things. When you're when you're starting out, so when I started my first ever business, actually I actually did a startup for some investors. Uh, where I was a minority shareholder or would be a minority shareholder should I hit targets. And so I, I, I think if I look back, I was quite fortunate that I got to do it with other people's money. Um, and it was a, a small team they'd had for three or four months with three people. And it really wasn't going anywhere in a world of IT recruitment and banking recruitment. And I, uh, I, I went in. It was a job I'd not done before, a position I'd never held before. And by the end of the, it was the 13th month, we had 42 people yeah. and 7 million of turnover. Um, but that was well over the targeted, you know, come in and do this for us, Dean. That was well over that target. And then we fell out over shares because the ratchet meant I was going to get more equity than they thought they were going to give away. And the fact that we were having that conversation made me say, do you know what? I'm going to go and do it on my own. So I went off and I did it on my own and I set up a business and sold it within three years. I had 40 odd people working for me then. And, um, so wait, you know, we, wait. We... <laughs> uh, so that, that's the kind of thing like, like I hear, like, so I set up a business like a couple of years, I'm like 40 people like working under me, like, wait a second. How do you like when you you like, when you start a business, do, do you know what you're going to do? Like, do you know where I, maybe my question is like, how do you grow? How do you get into a business and, um, and, and scale it to the point where in three years you're like many employees and you're, you know, you, how do you do that? I think, you know, taking that business, I mean, we sold it for eight figures within three years and um, it, it felt, you know, I never, I never intended to do that. It, it, it wasn't that, yes, we were selling three years. It just happened. It was a place, it was a time. Mm -hmm. But I'm a massive believer that you, you go big or you go home. Mm -hmm. uh, some people are quite happy. And, and I sometimes see a difference between, I don't know, what's, what's now titled solopreneurs and entrepreneurs, whereas some of those are just lifestyle businesses. They're just going to give a salary. It's going to be good enough. They love the autonomy. They, you know, they've got the stresses that they wouldn't get if they work for somebody else. But They've also got the freedoms of choice that they wouldn't get if they worked for somebody else. And for me, that's that's a lifestyle business. That's that's an income. That's a, that's a livelihood. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just not built that way. Um, I always look at everything that can be done better. I hired four people on day one. I took all of my savings, every penny I had. Um, I was just with, newly married, just having my second child. Uh, got married quite young, got married at 25. Um, just having my second child, just moved to a new house. I've been earning lots of money before because I've been uh, a consultant in that industry and I was one of the top billing consultants in that industry. So again, at that time in my life, I was earning more money than I could ever, ever. I mean, I, I paid more tax one month than my dad earned in a year. And and I, and I, remember, I remember ringing my dad up and saying, look, look how much money I've earned this month. It's been a great month for me. So I, he couldn't comprehend it and I couldn't comprehend it. And, I, and when I went and started my own business, although I had this, this I built up some money and I'd moved house and stuff, I hadn't had that lifestyle for 10 years. I hadn't got used to it. You know, I was just working, working, working. So it didn't bother me at the time that 
I was putting all of that at risk and whatever, because that was my that was my default position. If, if anything went wrong, I can go back there and at least I'm going to earn his six figures. So, you know, go and do that. That, that, that would be my, my fallback. But I got into it. I made myself uncomfortable. I don't like being comfortable in any business. I make myself uncomfortable all the time. Hired four people, kept hiring. Um, I, I mean, look, again, whether it's whether it's luck, laws of attraction or whatever else, within my first two weeks, uh, I rang up what is like uh, ringing up a, a municipal and finding out about their schools because we were working with schools, got the opportunity to present against two FTSE 100 companies um, and had that booked in. In the same, same week, I phoned a chap called Sonny Varkey. So if you ever go to, I don't know if you've been to Dubai, no, and you yet. go down that L-shaped Zahir Road and you'll see schools with gems on them. <laughs> so Sonny's the billionaire who owns those. Oh. <laughs> um, I spent a few hours ringing around, trying to get his number, trying to get his number from London, phoning Dubai. And I managed to get his number using some of my tricks in my trade. And I got his number and I called him and I pitched him. Well, I tried to pitch him and he said, you've got 45 seconds. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I'd read a little bit of his backstory back then. This was 2002. Uh, in right at the end of 2002 and uh, i'd read a little bit of his backstory online there wasn't a lot on the internet back then and uh, so i said look before i tell you who i am and what i'm doing and, and everything else your story is absolutely amazing can i just ask you two questions and so i asked him a question at what pivotal point did he go from his parents running this small school to realizing he, he could grow this 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 monster across the whole he, he runs 25 percent of the, the education in the uae and, and we started there anyway next minute 45 minutes have gone past. He's, at, he's asked me to come and have breakfast with him the next morning. Can't do that, Sonny. You're in Dubai. I'm in London. My wife would kill me. Uh, he said, no, I'm, I'm in the Dorchester Hotel. And he does. He keeps sweets there all year round. And uh, I went and had breakfast with him the next morning again. Serco Capita, FTSE 100 companies on the table. And if I'm honest, because I got asked this the other day, you know, I, I went to the Dorchester for breakfast on a Wednesday morning uh, to meet a billionaire and talk about my business and for me i was already having a fantastic day before i walked in that room right you know that, that, yeah. that, that yeah. that's stuff of dreams right yeah um and we and I, and I thought i gave a good good account of myself i thanked him he thanked me i left phoned my wife phoned my office i was like yeah i've, I've met him he's great he's fantastic anyway got back to my office and just as i walked in he phoned well he didn't phone his assistant phone he said sonny would like to fly you out to dubai so a few weeks later, they flew me out to Dubai, I toured his schools, toured the hospitals he owned, and I took all of his business on sale. And, and so it was, you know, I'm up against, I didn't, have, I didn't even have a set of management accounts, let alone a year's worth of accounts to do due diligence on. Yeah. But it's, if, if people buy your belief, and I did believe, and, I, and we've done some fantastic things, that's why we grew so quickly. Yeah. I, take, I take what I'm working with, and I create a product. Now, for everybody, they think in their head, oh, it's product, it must be an online tool. Or something. No, you, you take your core service, your core skill, and you look at how, how I can add more bang for my buck, right? What, what I can do to make this more attractive, what I can do with this, take away more of their pains and give them gains without costing me too much money. And I did that. And I brought new products to our sector that had never been done before. I saved millions of pounds across schools, improved services. Mm -hmm. And, and so you, you've, you've got that contagion. When, when you start to get one or two, you're going to get five or six, and then you're going to get more. And, and that's yeah. just, just how it happened. And I think you've always got the fear of failure somewhere in the back of your mind, but that's just a driver. Yeah. You've got to, uh, it's, there's a cocktail for success. Uh, there's four things you need. 
right? Yeah. You need a purpose, okay? You yeah. need a purpose. You need something that gets you out of bed in the morning. Some people call it your why, but your purpose. You need passion. You have to be passionate about your purpose because that's that's what keeps you hooked together. That's a binding factor. Mm -hmm. You've got to have a vision, and that's the end game. And then you work your way back from that, how I'm going to get there. So your purpose, your passion, your vision. But then you have to have belief. And that belief is what gives you discipline. Now, discipline will get you through the tough times when it's cold and it's dark and it's wet and nobody wants to talk to you and all your contracts are falling out and nothing's going your way. Your discipline makes sure that you keep your schedule and you do the things you're going to do. Your passion, your purpose drive you through those stormy times. But your vision that you've hung on to right at the end, you've still got the end in mind, will just drag you through. And I think I always look for when I invest in entrepreneurs is for purpose, passion, vision and belief. And I look at that and, and I've, got to, I've got to understand the market. The only places I've ever lost money is when I've invested in things that I can't have a positive effect on. And therefore, if I can't do that, I can't really get the attachment that I want from them. So, I mean, a, lo a, long, way, a long way of saying that I think people buy that. I know people buy that. I know they buy you know, your, your passion. They buy your purpose. They buy your vision and they buy your belief that you can do it. And you will meet your Sonny Varkey, who will, who will be the billionaire who, lo who sees a bit of him in you and gives you that go. And um, I mean, it could, have gone, it could have gone so many different ways, but it didn't because I never believed it would go a different way. Man, like this is so much wisdom here. I'm just like, you know, I, I'm also hearing like different, like similar things from different, very successful entrepreneurs. Do you know Andy Frisella? Sorry, Andy. Andy Frisella. No, do I don't like, think uh, Do you know 75 hard? No, no. So there's like a challenge called 75 hard. It's a mental toughness challenge, but it's kind of like a fitness challenge. It's like, it's an eight, he, this guy's like an eight figure entrepreneur, like one of the top um, motivational speakers out there. Um, he's built like a, um, a fitness and supplement kind of business, but like, yeah, like he came from nothing to having now 300 employees and a huge kind of compound with the gym in it and like everything. It's really cool. It's an, one of the best podcasts out there. It's called um, AF, um, the, it was the MF CEO before, and now it's like uh, real AF, like real as fuck. Like, so um, it's really, really down to the core. But then I, I just listened to him the other day on the podcast and said, uh, you have to have purpose, you have to have um, discipline or uh, something. Like Basically, very similar to what you said, like, and you said four keys to successful, to running, like to building and running a successful business is one purpose, two passion, three vision, and four belief. And I think the belief factor is something that is connected to commitment, you know, and to kind of like knowing that you're going to make it, like commitment to this process, belief that it's going to work out. There's something spiritual in it that represents a spiritual journey of being an entrepreneur. Um, and, and it also what I think other people, like you said, connect to that, to your beliefs. Um, and like Martin Luther King said, I have a dream, right? So it's like, that's kind of like representing the why in the purpose, but that's his belief in the why. Um, I think it's great. Those four aspects that you just said, like are, are great. Um, and you said another thing, you said like, you believe in going big or going home. Um, I think nobody, like, yeah, I'm, I mean, I interviewed Paul Jarvis on the show and he has this book, Company of One, and he's really good off just like building like a lifestyle business, like you said. Um, 
and I'm looking at where do I find myself in all of this? Because I have like right now at the moment, I have like two multiple six figure companies. Commit First is right now just kind of beginning, um, but um, it already has kind of like generated revenue. Um, I'm, I'm have a war. I, I'm actually like now been invited to run a workshop in Amazon, like, uh, and, and like these kind of things are starting to pick up. Um, but I'm thinking about commit first about going really, really big. Like that's my vision for it in the next couple of years. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering like about the agency and about the, my, my Israeli blog, I don't see the Israeli blog going big. You know, it's like, it's an Israeli blog in a very small niche. It can't go big, you know what I'm saying? So um, I'm, that's why I'm wondering to myself, like, what am I doing with it? You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm gonna keep on working and multiple six figures, great, but like, where is, should I leave it? Should I sell it? Should I keep on going? Um, and the agency, the agency I think can be really, really big, but I'm really afraid it will take up so much of my time that I would not have time for coming first in a way. So I'm like, the agency is kind of like, um, I'm, I'm limiting my growth in, a, in the agency. So I wonder if I'm making a mistake. What are you, what are you thinking like in terms of like doing a couple it's, of things? It's, it's tough because uh, I suppose for me at the moment, I have a lot of business interests. And, and that really came about when I sold my last business, when I, when, when I sold my last business in 2015, the last business I sold, um, I had three years out of my space. So you have covenants that say you can't, Go back into that space you can't operate in that space mm. so i ended up working with lots of other other businesses doing advisory helping private equity yeah. investing my own cash into business starting different businesses and actually when those three years are up and i launched the business i'm running at the moment i've still i've still got all these things running yeah and yeah. They're, they're all good things and they all need my attention and i love being a part of all of them but there have been things i've had to drop where you know they're they're, they're vanity projects or you know, you're just giving input to stuff that actually is going to have no return on investment because I'm, I'm a massive believer in uh, opportunity costs. So mm -hmm. if you're spending time there, you're not spending time on other things and right. you've got to prioritize where that time goes. What is what is the imperatives? What are the critical success factors for you for you to hit your vision, your dream, your belief, the thing that you want to do? What are your critical success factors? Where's those milestones? And you lay those down, you work that vision backwards. And, and if these are going to be time thieves and they're not going to add to the top, the, it can be nice that they produce a bit of income, you know, a bit of profit in there and whatever else. For me, you, that, that, that capital needs to be reinvested in your main project, the thing that's going to be the best, the biggest and the most powerful. And it's going to have longevity and sustainability because, I, I, you know, again, with, with very small businesses, you, you'll get to a point in your life where you, you know, a lot of businesses, you don't want to run them anymore because they're so small, it paid a salary and whatever else, right? But right. it's so much nicer to be able to take a step back and have a team and a management team and people working with you where you can still be a visionary. You can still be a guidance to, to the team and, and, and the business in terms of its outcomes, but you're not having to get in at 6.30 in the morning and leave at eight o'clock at night and do all the things that come with because you, you, you invest to save in life. If you put in all of that, sweat equity at the beginning and you work really really hard you shouldn't have to work very very hard at the end and and the reason being is you, you, we're kind of built now to okay well i'm going to retire at 65 i'm going to retire at 70 i'm going to keep saving i'm going to do it what are you going to do at 70 you, you know you've, you've got another 20 years maybe maximum of your life left 
and you're not in a position to do all the things you want to do, but you've got this, I mean, how ludicrous is that? But we've all been programmed to think that way. Right. right? Do so it right. early. Get, yeah, get, get to this mid-stage. And, you know, you've got your kids through school and they're, they're in there and you, you kind of settled and, and start to work smart because you've, you've, you've experienced knowledge. If, if I spend an hour with you and um, I, I charge you for it and you say to me, well, that's a lot of money. And I say, well, I've, I've had to, you know, do this over 25 years to be able to give you that hour. Yeah. This is 25 years you're paying for. It's not one hour. So if you're doing that at the beginning, why not go as hard? Because if you go really hard and you get somewhere, and the markets change or there's a, there's a recession or whatever it might be. Yeah. You can always cut back, but if you're already further back and there's a recession or there's a problem, you, you've, you've not got much, you know, behind you to go back to, you're going to be back at land zero and it's startup again. And that can be really debilitating. Yeah. So that's why I've always, you know, and I think look, if you go back to what you originally said about me when I was 21, I had to achieve those 10 things because that was my only choice. Right. right. My only option. I had to do that. If I didn't do that, I wasn't I wasn't schooled or skilled in any other way. As I said to you earlier, I tried to be a pro footballer and I got dropped by Chelsea. I was a boxer, but I got, I'm short with short arms. Not a great mix for a boxer. Um, all, all these passions. And, and for me to get out of where I was, that that's what I had to do. So I, maybe I'm running from something, but to keep feeling uncomfortable, to keep challenging yourself. I've got three rules. On all the offices of all the businesses I've run, um, they're, they're, up, they're up in reception and it says, rule number one, you must challenge yourself every single day. You must find something that feels challenging. The second is that you are better than you are yet you were yesterday. Now, you could have had the worst day financially, business-wise, commercially that you've ever had, but learn a new word, find a new topic, learn something. Because the incremental compounding, compound 1% every day, 70 days, you're double, right? And the last thing is, Go home proud. Look at what you've done every day. Look at how much you've achieved. Look at what you've put in the effort and you've done it for you, your family, your friends, whoever it might be, and be proud of that fact because you can leave it at the door then and it doesn't encroach on your life outside of work as much as it normally would. And you can wake up and tomorrow is another day. And they're, they're simple, they're easy, anybody can use them. That's why I put them up in all my offices. And I, and I say to them, look, have you challenged it? What did you do to challenge yourself today? Well, I did this. Or that. Why are you better than you were yesterday? What do you know today that you didn't know yesterday? Did you go home proud last night? Were you really proud of what you achieved yesterday? Tell me about it. And they know they're going to be asked. They know this is this is the three questions I'm going to ask. And so they they monitor themselves that way. And I think that's, that's quite an easy way to do things. Yeah. No, I love that, man. This is such like yeah, definitely, man. Um, so I know I know we're kind of like. Um, short on time um and um but i'm, I'm just like i'm thinking like word there's so many great things here um for for the people that are right now um starting out in business and, and having a business like a, they're just starting out what are the, what do you think are the few things that they should do right away things that you do with any new business or that you mentor others to do with every business like that you ask them, have you done this? Have you done this? Have you done that? And if they say no, you're like, are you crazy? Do it now. Yeah. Uh, before you start a business and before you, I've started any business is I sell what's called vaporware. So I will go to my space that I'm vaporware. So vapor, it doesn't exist. Right? <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to go in and I'm going to sell you. So you're my ideal client. 
I know what I want to do, how I want to do it. And I've got my pitch down because it's my elevator pitch. And I'm going to give you a call. I'm going to say who I am, where I'm from, what I do, and give you some efficacy on why I can do it. Yeah. Right, so it's just a very simple pitch. And I'm going to, I'm going to sell to you. Right? I'm going to ask you questions. I'm going to sell to you. And I'm going to get your tonality. I'm going to get your objections. I'm going to find out whether there's a market. I'm going to get you to refer somebody. Yeah. So many people have a great idea and there's no market for it. Mm-hmm. Or there is a market, but it's tiny and it's it's never really going to blossom into what they think. It's just it's just a vanity project. Mm-hmm. So make sure there's a market. Make sure you understand that tonality okay. because a lot of, again, a lot of people start a business. They come up with a name that doesn't really suit what they're trying to do, but they like the name. They get they start doing marketing day one and spending lots of money on adverts and clicks and whatever else. But their their aim is completely off target because they're aiming at the wrong audience. So you need to know your audience. And as, as you grow your business, you need to start from day one mapping your standard operating procedures, the stuff that you do. Because day one, you're everything. Your sales director, operations director, CEO, back office, credit control, you're everything. And you've got to be able to eventually break those things off. Because you can't be excellent at all those things. Right. You just won't be. No matter how good or a fair enough job you're doing with those, you won't be excellent. There'll be people who will be great at all of these different things. But unless you map them, it's very hard to onboard someone because what happens is, you know, you you take on Dean and you say, right, Dean, I'm going to get you to do this role. This is what I want to do. But you're not really showing me what my operating procedures are, how this works out. Suddenly you're doing it because it's quicker for you to do it than tell Dean. And then in the end, you think, what am I paying Dean for? Right. You know, I'm going to get yeah. rid of Dean. You know, he's useless. Yet you haven't given Dean an opportunity right? because people need to embed. And when you get those people on early and, and that's why I say hire early. If you've got if you've got plans to grow. Those people would also the more people you've got there that believe and buy into your purpose, passion, vision, belief, you can onboard other people so much quicker. Those processes, that culture, it all develops. It's organic. It's this virtuous cycle of doing stuff. But. You need to you need to think about that day one. Not I would I'll sell a few and I'll do it as a side hustle and whatever else. It's, I hear a lot of you know we we met on Clubhouse and I hear a lot of people on Clubhouse say, well, how much money should I have in the bank? And you know, some oh, you've got to have six months, you've got to have twelve months. Look, if you if you've had a career to a point and and you earn X per month and you net down and these are your outgoing costs, right? And you can do a projection that if you worked full time on this project. This is where you'd get to in three months, four months, five months, six months, where you get close to, to break even on your bills and everything else. That's how much money you need maximum. All right. Just just go, because if you go in and you've got a year's money or year and a half's money behind you, what happens? And I've seen it with businesses that are turning over 30, 40, 50 million pounds that I work with. Mm-hmm. And they've got a few million pounds in a bank, but their market's going backwards. It will we'll be all right because we're fine next month. Mm. we're fine next month right. and then suddenly your cushion's gone and that's what happens people go but you know what i didn't hit targets this month my new business i've just launched and i've put 100 into but it's all right i've got I've, I've got money in the bank for next yeah. month no it's not all right it's, it's yeah. just not all right okay make yourself uncomfortable give yourself targets that have to be hit and you will surprise yourself you will come out swinging with ideas and it's very 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 hard to have fantastic ideas when things are really easy and hubris prevails, that you're just buying and implementing stuff because you can, because you can afford it, because you've, you've been on a masterclass or you've, or you've seen something online and you do it. You need to be frugal with this stuff. You need to understand what gives you 
the biggest return on investment. Every pound you put in or every dollar you put in should give you a minimum of 10 back, okay? And it should be, it, money has an energy. It should keep repeating for you. It should be annualized. Everything you do should be creative and it should grow and grow and grow over a period of time. But you're not going to do that unless you go in with your eyes wide open, make sure that you really put your numbers together and what you need to achieve. You spaced it out in the time you can do it. You map it as you do it. Yeah. And you say, right, as soon as I've made this much money, I'm hiring someone. As soon as I made this much money, I'm hiring someone. The money needs to go back in and in and in and in. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to get that multiplicity. Two plus two equals seven mm -hmm. because it just starts to explode. And business does do right. that. It just yeah. goes up. Right. So that I suppose that's my way of saying I, you've, you've got to you've got a plan. And, and, and I've got another rule that you research your market. So you do your spot analysis, your total addressable market. You do all these things. Mm -hmm. Right. But you research, but don't over research because you'll find a million reasons not to do it. Yeah. OK. Do enough research to tell you there's a market there, enough research to tell you what your, your point of entry for sale is and what your clients, you know, not necessarily what they tell you they want, but what they need. Yeah. And then you research little and often. So you little bits, make sure you've got the market news coming to you. You've got, you, you've got different feeds telling you different things and don't always believe them. You, this, is, this is another big mistake. People, oh, I've read this and this must be how they think. No, this is how the journalist thinks about how they think. Right. You need to go in there with the assumption that always that they want to buy what you've got. Otherwise, don't pick up the phone or don't send the email, whatever it might be. But you need to be able to ask the right questions to find out where they are in that thought process. Are they sitting on a fence getting splinters and they don't know? Create a conversation around it. But yeah. that's the correlation we talked earlier about, you know, laws of attraction of saying that opportunity meets preparation equals luck. Yeah. To prepare, you need that information in your brain, sorry, to make that, 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 that correlation with what somebody says. Right. So, yeah, research little and often. Awesome, man. Dude, the, like, that was so much, uh, you know, so much wisdom. Uh, and and I'm, I'm so thankful for, for your time. Like, we have to wrap up. But um, if I have to just finish with, with one thing um, that I, I would say is something that um, I also hear my kids making loud noises. They're going. To, it's a matter of seconds before they're bursting into the room. So, um, one thing, one tip that you can give that you have we haven't talked about yet to entrepreneurs in order to fast track their success right now. Something that people can do right now, start doing right now. Yeah, don't overthink it. Just do it. You know, everybody overthinks everything. Everybody, everybody finds reasons not to do things and. Um, just find a reason to do it, find, find a solution, you know, do all the things that I just said about testing your space, but um, then just do it. Everybody's got a, you know, a million pound idea or a million dollar idea. Yeah. Uh, so what? So how many people say, well, do you know what? I thought of that. Or I, yeah. I, you know, a few years ago, I think that would have been a great idea. So what? So what? And there's probably, there's probably another million people who thought of it as well, but there might only be a handful that actually do it. Right. And it's all, being an entrepreneur is all about execution. You can have the worst business plan in the world, but the, the right execution and the right energy and you'll be successful. You can have the best business plan and product in the world. You can't execute on it. You're going nowhere. So just do it. That would be my, that would be my tip of the day, I suppose. Love it, man. Love it. Um, one great book, maybe? Yeah, I've got I've got a book. It's a, it's a book about America, actually, and it's not it's not your standard book. I don't I don't really do the the, the standard business book. So okay. it's called The Puritan Gift, okay, by Hopper and Hopper, 
Um, and it's it's about when the Puritans landed in America, but it's not necessarily, it's not religious in any way. What it is about is about how, how America become this big, you know, engine of industry and capitalism and whatever else, and, and the innovation from different types of people that landed in the country. And then, you know, how actually when we built Japan after the, after the Second World War, and you just look at the amazing things it did before debt, you know, really got in and started to, you know, financial instruments started to ruin things. But it's yeah. what it's good for, it's good to understand management. Um, and one more book on that, I suppose, is Team of Teams. Again, American General, McChrystal. Um, it's a fantastic book. Awesome, man. Dude, amazing. So, Dean, thank you so much, man, for all the knowledge that you brought to the show. Everybody, if you, um, you want to check out Dean, you definitely can visit the Instagram of, of Dean Kelly. Uh, Dean, what's your um, handle? Uh, Deanism Works. Okay. And I'll definitely post that in the show notes. Um, mm -hmm. And just to make sure that I, we get right, it's Dean is M like mama works. Like, yeah. So Dean is M works. You guys can tag Dean right now, take a snapshot of this if you got value from it and make sure to tag Dean, tag me as well. So I can know that you're there. Sagi Schreiber at Sagi Schreiber, S-A-G-I Schreiber. Um, you'll find me as well. And, um, and also commit that first. So Thank you so much, Dean, for coming on the show. Uh, anywhere else, finally, that you'd like to send people to in order to follow you? Um, can, I've started to, um, we just put together some training videos to help people start up, scale up uh, acquisitions and exits. So that'll be launching probably the end of the summer. So I've got a website called deanism.club. They're quite welcome to have a look at that. Might see some pictures of me with prime ministers and everything else. Um, and Channon Tatum's on there as well, because I did get drunk with him once. <laughs> That's awesome. Dean, man, thank you so much. Really, really appreciate your wisdom here today and the value that you gave. Um, thank you so much and talk soon. Good to see you.